another one bites the dust. Good call, Alex. I'm sorry, Scotty. Good call, my friend. Uh, Jamie's away, and UFC's tomorrow night, UFC 297 in Toronto. So guess what? I get to talk fights, and I get to talk to it with one of the guys I love talking to about fights. It's been too long since I've been able to have a chat with Aaron Bronstetter. Now with Sportsnet uh, as their fight expert, and he certainly is a fight expert. Aaron, it's been too long. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year to you, too. You know, you got to tell Jamie to stop being the gatekeeper. I'm just, you know, just let me on. I know he's going to have to uh, come up with a couple of questions here and there and do a little bit of work, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't be afraid to branch out, man. That's for sure. How's, uh, how's Sportsnet treating you? Uh, so far, so good. You know, it's been a great week with uh, the UFC in town, and uh, it's really like my second week on the job in terms of being in a front-facing capacity. So we're we're. We're going, you know, jumping right into the fire here with uh, the first card <laughs> in Toronto in over five years and then having to deliver the goods. So, you know, but pressure's a privilege, so I'm just having a lot of fun. Well, there's no doubt you deliver with that, without a doubt. Been looking at all your stuff. It's been it's been great. Um, talk, to, talk to me about the the way that Canada is a, a fight nation. I, I believe it's there's a huge, passionate fan base, and I think we'll see it tomorrow night in Toronto. Well, if last night was any indication at the press conference, I think we certainly felt it was uh, absolutely electric. Like it, it felt like I was getting on a, a ro- getting off a roller coaster when all was said and done. It was just uh, such a great energy in that building, and I think that you're right. We'll see what ceremonial weigh-ins are like tonight, because I think there's going to be about three thousand people, which should be wow, double, double maybe triple what there was yesterday, and then tomorrow at the arena it's going to be eighteen thousand strong. So. I think we're going to feel that energy for sure. Aaron Bronsetter from Sportsnet joins us. We are talking MMA. UFC 297 is happening tomorrow night in Toronto. And the main event is, um, I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing it. Unfortunately, I'm working tomorrow night uh, doing my other job with hockey, but I'll be certainly recording it when I come home and watch it after. Uh, Sean Strickland, middleweight champion of the world versus Driscus Duplessis. And... This has been, the buildup has been outstanding. And as much as we will talk about the characters themselves, let me ask you about Sean Strickland first. Is Did Sean Strickland have the best night of his life and Israel Adesanya, who he won, who he beat for the championship, have a bad night? Or is this where Sean Strickland was going to be evolving anyway as the championship in the middleweight division? Well, I think overall, stylistically, Sean Strickland was always going to be a, a bit of a tough matchup for Israel because when you have a guy like Israel who requires space and you have someone like Sean Strickland who's notoriously good at getting in your space, I think that that's kind of a bad matchup. I do think that Israel looked flat that night, that he did not look himself. But uh, I certainly think that Sean Strickland had a great night that night. But Sean Strickland also, he has a reputation for sparring everybody, sparring all yeah. the time and getting as many reps as possible. So uh, I think that... You know, Sean Strickland was just fighting like Sean Strickland that night, and uh, Israel couldn't find the answer. And when, when you're down on the cars and you have to hit that Hail Mary, you know, it, there's a lot of pressure on you. And I don't think that uh, Israel was able to deliver when it came down to it down the stretch. And, and it also is easier said than done, right? Like, you can't yeah. say, hey, go knock that guy out now. You know, you're facing a top professional in your division. So, you know, I think that uh, we're going to see tomorrow night whether or not Drake is is uh, you know ready to become champion, and whether or not I think more importantly, Sean Strickland 
is what we, who we think he is. It is, you know, a, a top caliber middleweight that can defend the title and have a reign as champion. So a uh, very interesting matchup overall. Strickland's pace, his cardio is really one of his best weapons, isn't it? I mean, when he, when he's gets in that ring, he's just, as you said, constantly in his opposition's face. Yeah, definitely. He's one of the better pressure fighters. But here's the thing. Drake and C actually lands more volume than Sean Strickland. He, he throws more and lands more, um, which is what's going to make this so interesting, right? Because when you have a guy that's used to pressuring against another guy that's used to pressuring, you know, who's going to buckle under the pressure? You know, who's going to be able to dictate the terms of the fight? And I think that's really kind of what it's going to come down to. Um, if Drake is able to dictate the terms of the fight early, I think he probably will need to get a finish early on if he really wants to have his best winning conditions because as the fight gets further down the stretch, we know that Sean Strickland's cardio can hold up. But at the same time, I think something's been sort of overlooked with uh, Drake is that he trains in Pretoria, South Africa, which has similar elevation to like a Utah, like a Salt Lake City, Utah, Denver, places where we've seen people crumble under the elevation. And he's training there year-round. So uh, we haven't really seen his cardio fail him that badly. He has, yet, he has yet to lose in the UFC. So uh, maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt and see whether or not that's going to be something that fails him rather than assume that it's something that's going to fail him. Well, with Duplessis, I mean, when when we look at him and his style, I, I don't even know how to describe it. What what would we what would we say? Would it be like Bruce Lee used to talk about? No style. What's is is the best style to have? Does he have a style of fights? Drake is a, an awkward fighter, and I, I think that his style is kind of it is a little bit awkward. But again, I think that the amount of volume that he puts out and uh, his finishing ability makes him a very, very well-rounded fighter. He's very good on the ground as well. He's not a guy that you can kind of sleep on. So, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see exactly, um, you know, how, how he does fight under these circumstances because I, I think that he, you know, will be an interesting stylistic matchup for Sean Strickland for that very reason. Well, Dreyskis, is there a video out there somewhere where he just dismantles an entire um, Gracie Barr jiu-jitsu team's? Of he just I, takes everybody. Is, I haven't seen it, <laughs> but I, it, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, he, he's so strong. I mean, that's to me. That's what when I look at at strength will be a big challenge for for Sean. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. I think that he is he is somebody that is um, going to give Sean Strickland a lot of problems because of of his uh, his pace, his finishing ability. There's just a lot of different things that, that he does really well that uh, I don't know if Sean has had space yet. Aaron Bronsetter from Sportsnet joins us. He is, of course, the fight expert. We've talked to Aaron a bunch of times about the UFC. This is a UFC 297 in Toronto tomorrow night. Was it five years, did you say, Aaron, That's since the yeah, UFC's been there? Just over five years. So it's pretty incredible that uh, yeah. it's been that long. It, it, again, it'll be it'll be a terrific night. Let's let's look at uh, some of the other fights. You always do such a good job of, of bringing those to the forefront. There are some Canadians that are uh, are going to be fighting. Uh, Mike Malott and uh, will fight Neil Magny. Malott is trains up here or close to me in in San Jose, up with Uriah Faber. Is he still with Alpha Alpha Male in Sacramento? Sorry, who? Mike Malott. Mike Malott is actually now training. Um... Mostly at Niagara Top Team and also okay. with, uh, crew Alan Halmagen. Yeah, he's uh, he's training at a couple different places uh, as well as with Andre Grandpa. But he's he's living now in, in Southern Ontario, 
and um, that, that's you know where he's been making his uh, his fighting home. He, he still is going to have Danny Castillo, who was a uh, coach of Team Alpha Male, in his corner. Danny is still part of his team, so he still does draw from uh, a lot of the strategies from Team Alpha Male. It's it's interesting how fighters go right as far as they they try to get it, it, as much to me when we look at some of the fighters they try to get as many as you talked about strickland reps in but going with different coaches and different ideas and really trying to round out their game michael it's been it's it's been a long road to this process hasn't it for him yeah absolutely you know he decided at one point in time to just kind of focus on coaching so he took about four years away from the game and uh he was becoming a very prolific coach was coaching a lot of the different fighters from team alpha male and then decided that he, had, he got the itch again and dove back in with both feet and he has been pretty unstoppable since then it's been to his credit he's been really really um a, a force to be reckoned with um so magni i like watching magni fight i, I like watching the, I, I think he's a he's an entertaining guy to fight but where is neil on his career path right now after some some disappointing losses um well, I think Neil Magny is still one of those kind of gatekeeper fighters where, like, if, if you can't beat Neil Magny, you're probably not going to uh, to do very well in, in the, or, like, get that far in the UFC. Like, it seems like he's kind of the litmus test if you're going to end up uh, being in those rankings. So that, that's kind of how I, I pin down um, a fighter like Neil Magny. I think that's kind of where he's at in his career right now. When a lot of these up-and-coming fighters, we've seen him fight the likes of uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, Ian Gary. So he, he's kind of the guy that you need to beat to prove that you are uh, among the elite at welterweight, and I think that's why he's the perfect opponent right now for Mike. Aaron Brunsetter joining us, talking UFC 297 tomorrow night in Toronto for all you fight fans. And I know there's a bunch in Saskatchewan. Aaron is with Sportsnet. And he uh, moved over this year and is taking care of all the big fight stuff, the MMA, the UFC, back on Sportsnet, where it was its original home. Uh, a few years ago when we look at uh, another Canadian and I don't know Mark is it Mark Andre is it Barrio or Barrio 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 yeah Uh, fighting Chris Curtis who again um, interesting dude Chris Curtis Chris action man Curtis this is a fight that um, I have I really have no idea about and how it's going to go and even much about uh, Mark Andre Barrio tell me about power bar Barrio both of these guys are fighters who will walk forward, will outwill you, and outpace you over the course of three rounds. And that's why this is such a fun fight, because they're such similar fighters. Barrio is going to be the taller fighter, the bigger fighter. Curtis is a former welterweight. He's a little bit on the shorter side, but he's really filled out. And yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see this fight, because I, I'm, I'm curious to see if either of these guys break. And if they don't, it's going to be a really, really competitive three-round fight. He had a, he had a very interesting media day talking about how hard he's been on himself and and um, how it eats him up inside. I, I I can't imagine. And you've talked to these fighters, the pressure they put on themselves and and how it weighs on them. What what can you tell me about UFC fighters and the way that they are wired? Well, I mean, the best way to look at it is that these guys train for months and months and months with the knowledge that they could fall flat on their face in front of a massive amount of people, whether they're watching live on TV, that's basically what they do. They train for the opportunity to try to not fall on their face for not a whole lot of money in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. 
and not be made into a highlight reel meme. And if they are, they pick themselves up by the bootstraps and they get back in the gym that very next week and work hard to do it again. That's what these guys are made of. That's why I respect these guys so much and I respect the sport so much because they are willing to take that risk every single weekend. Every single fighter in every single fight takes that risk. And, I mean, it, you always are going to have negative people that are going to make fun of people for, for, for failing. But it's those that are the ones that dare to fail that are the ones, in my opinion, who are the most successful people because a lot of those people you know, that, that would make fun of uh, somebody for, for failing, a lot of them don't take that same risk in their life. They don't dare to fail. And without taking that kind of a risk, it's hard to really ever truly be successful um, without, without putting yourself out there and, you know, taking that sort of risk. I mean, every day through when you're on radio, yeah. when you're covering hockey, you're getting behind the microphone. You need to entertain people. You need to try not to make a mistake. You, there's an opportunity for people to make fun of you, to put up a clip of you stumbling. Now, of course, that's never happened because you're too professional, but at the same time, <laughs> that's the reason why you're so successful and why you have the kind of job that you have right now is because you've taken those risks all throughout your life knowing that there's that potential to fail. A lot of people don't really have, they're not cut from that cloth. And it's not, not to say that people need to be or anything like that, but that's why I always take such a exception to when people make fun of the fighters for, for losing, because I feel like they should always be applauded for being willing to take that risk to ultimately potentially fail in front of thousands and thousands of people. Very well said. Thank you, my friend. That's why you're the best. I appreciate it. Love talking to you. Enjoy the, tomorrow, and let's talk again soon. Absolutely, Drew. I'm going to Anaheim next month for the next interview. I'd love to do it again. Great. Thanks. Aaron Bronstetter from Sportsnet, the fight expert from Sportsnet. Sportsbet is the new home of UFC, the new slash old home of UFC. Tomorrow night, UFC 297, Sean Strickland, middleweight championship, trying to defend against Dreskis Duplessis, the South African who hits hard, has no style, and it's going to be, uh, as uh, Sean Strickland said yesterday, nipple to nipple fighting. Uh, we'll talk more about Sean Strickland and his uh, – his um, ability to entertain the masses and speak his mind coming up after the news. But right now, let's go to the break, and we'll be back on 650 CKOM, 980 CGME. Uh, you can find our interviews wherever you find interviews. Hey, Scotty, where do you find our interviews? Our show. Okay, CGME or CKOM.com, you know, the social media thing and this old man. I don't quite get it, but you can go there and you can listen to Aaron Brown's there, especially what he said at the end about fighters. People ask me all the time, why do you love the fight so much? Well, one, you know, I, I dabble in it when I just work out when, uh, with uh, at Shears Martial Arts in Saskatoon. But it's because, to me, it's the ultimate form of competition. Some of the guys at Shears, they're fighters. Man, you could just see it. I have a great admiration for what they do. And it, to me, the ultimate form of, of competition is one person versus another person and who breaks who first. So that's why I love the UFC. Let's go to the one-minute drill. Welcome back to the program. Coming up, we've got the Sasky Spotlight. We have got Eric Francis uh, dropping the gloves. Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports California talking about the 49ers. Green Bay Packers matchup. Lots still to come on the program. Hope you've been enjoying it so far. And I think, yes, I am correct. that This has been one of the best programs we've ever done on the Green Zone. <laughs> um, 
there has been a lot made of this UFC fight coming up. And one of the reasons there's been a lot made of it is because of one of the main eventers, Sean Strickland, the middleweight champion of the UFC. He is a man who I would say doesn't give a you know what about what he says and what you think of him. He is the farthest thing from politically correct or, or woke or whatever word you want to use when it comes to describing people and how they speak and how they feel and how they talk about societal issues of the day. He is delightfully unfiltered and says things that will definitely offend people. He has on this, this, uh, this fight been up with the uh, Toronto media, Canadian media, and he got big headlines for absolutely destroying a reporter who tried the gotcha question regarding, and not talking about fighting, regarding what Sean talked about when he, or tweeted about, I think, or X'd about what it is now, uh, regarding he would think that if he had a gay son, this is Sean Strickland's, I'm paraphrasing, that if he had a gay son, he would have failed as a father. And the reporter challenged him on it, and Strickland, like he does in all his fights, just went on the offense and tore him apart. And it went from that discussion to Justin Trudeau taking away the rights and seizing bank accounts of truckers who um, were in Ottawa for the for the COVID protest to uh, talking about, I didn't know I was fighting in North Korea because um, hate speech is no such thing. I can say what I want. That's what my right is. And it made me think that, Let's talk about this. Let's fight about this when we go to the Friday face-off. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Ready for this. Going head to head. Well, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Whose side are you on? This is Face-Off. It is the Friday face-off, and since Jamie's not here, it's just uh, me versus you. And the Friday face-off today is, do you think that athletes should use their fame, their position, to speak out on various societal and social justice issues? Do you think that athletes should take every opportunity they have when they see an injustice or view an injustice or see something or hear something that they don't like, that they should take every opportunity when they get in front of the microphone to speak out on it. one 332 8255 There are countless examples of athletes using their platforms to speak out on various issues. Now, right off the bat, I am a big believer in free speech. I believe that you should have the right 100% to speak out on whatever you want. You should be able to say without inciting violence on another person. You should be able to say what's on your mind. I may disagree with you, and I have the right to do that as well. Even though in Canada, sometimes that's getting a little murky in some of the European countries, really murky. And even in the United States. But 
I should be able to say what I want. And we, we, we saw it during COVID. We saw how people were saying what they wanted or wanted to say what they wanted and were being deplatformed and, and labeled as disinformers. So there is a fight out there against people who believe in free speech. But as an athlete, if you've got that platform, and we've seen countless examples, Sean Strickland, Cole Beasley, just Cole Beasley just te- texted out or tweeted out or X'd out um, the fact that he doesn't quite get it when dudes have painted their nails. And people have lost their ever-loving minds. Truthfully, I don't get it either. Again, doesn't bother me, but I don't get it either. Cole Beasley, LeBron James, Aaron Rodgers about immunization versus vaccination. Colin Kaepernick from the kneeling, U.S. women's soccer, and their false, false narrative regarding that they were being underpaid. I have a comedian that I just love. Tom Segura is one of my favorite comedians. Jim Jeffries, Tom Segura. And what I love about comedians, most of them nowadays, is that they are unfiltered. They will say what they want. But Tom, Tom Segura said this in one of his specials. And I think it's quite insightful for when it regards to free speech. You have the right to be offended by whatever offends you. You have the right to express it. You do not have a right to expect anyone to do anything about it. Also, I have the right to respond. I've also said this. You can speak about what you want to speak on. I may agree with you. I may disagree with you. But if I agree with you, don't expect me to march in your parade. I'm not going to be doing that. I'm not one of those guys that wants to to go out and throw it out in everybody's face, which what my beliefs are. But I do believe you have the right to do what you want to do in that regard. one 332 8255 That's the number. Let's go to Ken in Regina. Ken, on our Friday face-off, do you believe athletes should use their fame or their position to speak out on various societal issues? True, well, I'm going to tell you this. I don't think it should. I think they are able to, if they wish, and let the chips fall where they may. That's their right to say something like that. Now, should I be able to tell someone you should or you should? I, that doesn't, that's not my prerogative. I don't think that's anyone's prerogative. I believe, see, I'm a Salman Rushdie free speecher. I believe yes. that everybody has a chance to say whatever they want. And you know what? I will go to the mat to defend a lot of a-holes I disagree with. To let them say what they want to say. I disagree with their opinion, but they have a right to say it. And much like this, when Sean Strickland wants to talk about stuff like that, if that affects his career negatively, then he needs to live with that. Because some people will say, I don't want to watch this guy because he doesn't have views that I feel are appropriate. That's his problem. But don't shut people down. People have a right to say something. What happens when you do that, when you start to shut speech down, is that these people scurry away like rats into the corners of the internet and they sit around and talk and they drag other people in. Let's expose them all. Come out and say what you want to say. Say your say your vile hatred stuff so we can know who you're all about. That's the way I look at it. Great call. Thank you very much, Ken. Great way to start it off. Let's go to uh, Michael in Shonovan. Michael, athletes and speaking out about society issues. Where do you stand? Well, I guess... Uh, whatever the market will bear. Uh, 
I might not vote for the candidate the celeb is pushing or the sports athlete, but at the same time, you pull an Aaron Rodgers and start slandering somebody on a talk show, I do think there is a limit to what they can do. Well, certainly there is there is a limit on, on what people are allowed to say when it comes to legalities in the courts, without without a doubt. Um, um, I, 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 I guess it's the lowest common denominator if... Uh, some blonde bombshell is going to tell you what to buy or what who to vote for, and you buy it or vote for it. Free country, free market. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks, thanks, Michael. I appreciate your call. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That is the text line, as well. Again, we've seen everybody from Colin Kaepernick. You know, really, let's go back before even Kaepernick. Kaepernick's, you know, looked at as kind of a pioneer in this. Let's go to John Carlos and Tommy Smith, 1968 Olympics in Mexico, the two, the top two sprinters for the USA. And they raised the gloved fist uh, in a sign of black power. That was the first one when it really growing up. I remember I was a, I was six, seven years old then, but there's were athletes standing up. Kaepernick, he kneeled during the national anthem. And that started a whole thing, right? Now, my argument was Ka- with Kaepernick was twofold. From a football point of view, just from a football point of view, if, if I'm a coach or I'm a teammate of Kaepernick's, I want my quarterback 100% dialed into the game and the game plan and performance on the field when he steps into that stadium, before he, when he gets into his car to drive to the stadium, the, the night before, you should be dialed in on that, especially a quarterback in the NFL. And his, his activism, his protests, he lost the narrative on it. It was started out about racial violence by police against uh, young, unarmed black men. And he, he lost the, the, the he, he went, he didn't keep it into a place where, people would listen to him about it because he lost the narrative in my opinion with the the pig socks um with his with his talk about how cuba is is a better place for than than america to live and they don't have racism there which was a completely false to having a che Guevara or fidel castro t- i think it was che Guevara t-shirt um in miami or it might have been a castro t-shirt in miami after a game uh knowing how many uh, Cuban refugees had moved to Miami to escape the political persecution there. He lost the narrative. But we've seen LeBron. LeBron and I've. LeBron takes a lot of hits, and Le, but LeBron is certainly got a huge platform. He speaks out. He, he was a big leader in the BLM speak, speaking out for the Black Lives Matter movement. He was a big leader in in being able to uh, to get his point across regarding the same thing Kaepernick was talking about, about police violence of, of uh, against young black men in America to the point where other police officers have said, here, we need to talk about this because you're not telling the full story. So athletes speaking out one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Do you want to hear them? Do you care about hearing them or should they just as uh, the, the, the phrase goes, shut up and dribble one 877 It's the Friday face-off on the Green Zone. 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. Welcome back to the program. It's the Friday face-off. Talking about athletes speaking out, using their platform to talk about various social and societal justice issues. Do you like it? 
Do you want to hear them? What is your take? I said, you know what? I'm a believer in free speech, and I, I am. I think you can speak out as much as you want, but that doesn't mean I have to pay attention or agree with you, and I get to speak back to you. Your thoughts, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's go to Scott on the phone. Scott, what are you thinking? Well, sometimes uh, I like it, and sometimes I don't. The the nice thing is the ability ability to ignore or not listen to someone that I disagree with. Good point. Um, also, uh, a guy like uh, Colin Kaepernick, who was was brought up in uh, really privileged circumstances compared Very. to someone like Muhammad Ali. Good point. Like Muhammad, um, Muhammad Ali came from some some very poor beginnings, um, and he did speak out. He spoke out against the Vietnam War, as as you know. And and so when you look at it, though, when I look at Colin Kaepernick, he, he's again. I thought he lost his way, but he could have done some some good work. When you look at athletes, and like you said, ignoring it or or disagreeing with it, what do you think when you hear other people say, "Just shut up and dribble." Well, I think people have a have a right to their opinion, and like I said, you you have a right to ignore them. And uh, I think uh, people also need to quit living their lives online. <laughs> you couldn't say it better than that. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate it. Here's some of the text: one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. And I'll I'll keep reading this throughout, even though we've got up against a little time. Uh, no name on this one, but does an athlete limit, does does being an athlete limit you from having your own personal opinion as an individual? In the end, athletes are just individuals with enough skill to entertain and the capitalist to monetize. They are televised and publicized for this monetary value. Therefore, who is to blame for the individual's possibly controversial opinion? The capitalist for televising it or the individual themselves? one 332 8255 There's no name on this one. It says B. NBA loves China. LeBron loves China. Screw the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, I should say. Yeah, that's 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 where the, the hypocrisy of LeBron comes into me when he was all on that. Um, this is uh, Bentley. Drew, I go to a sports event to be entertained. I don't care about their views. Same as actors and actresses. This is why I don't watch award shows. Thank the Academy and the people you work for, but take your cause and you know what. one 332 8255 I'll continue to read these throughout the day um, because uh, I do value your opinion on this. And as you know, I do enjoy the text. Let's get to the one-minute drill. 